Praise the Lord. This is Reverend Rosemary, thanking God for another time of studying his word. We are going to open our study this evening with a word of prayer. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Father, we praise and glorify you. We come with hearts prepared to receive from you. And we pray that you would open the eyes of our understanding, that we may behold wonderful things in your word. Father, we pray that your word will be written in our hearts and minds. And we pray, O Lord, that you will also help us to be doers of the word so that we can come up and move forward in the plans and purposes that you have ordained for us. We thank you, Lord, for changing us, for blessing us, and even making us a blessing unto others. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, tonight we are looking at the, the, the topic, uh, the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. The gospel of the kingdom. And I will start by saying that most of the world is seeking after um, what, you know, it feels that it wants and it needs. And people are seeking after security, um, these, their desires, their comfort, uh, their basic necessities, such as uh, where are they going to live, what they are going to eat and where. But Jesus says that this should not be our focus. His comment to us is, um, is found in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 33, which tells us that we are to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto us. Amen. Notice that we are told to seek first the kingdom of God. And, it, and then, then all other things will be added unto us. Amen. Um, all the things that the world is seeking after, that it, that it is working for, that it's trying to get, we are promised that if we seek first the kingdom of God, that these things will be added unto us. So it means that it is not us adding these things to our lives. Rather, while we are seeking, pursuing the kingdom of God and his righteousness, these things, such as house, cars, clothes, you know, um, retirement, amen, um, these things will be added unto us. Amen. Uh, but the question is that, you know, we know, we have read this, this scripture, Amen. Uh, and the question is, how many of us, though we know it, are not really practicing it? You know, Jesus lived the kingdom life and was our example in this earth. He came to the earth to die for humankind, to bring us back into union with God. He came because Adam and Eve sinned and separated all of humanity from the kingdom of God. And so Jesus demonstrated that the kingdom of God actually rules over everything. And he taught us that um, the violent take the kingdom by force. Amen. We see that in um, the references, Matthew chapter 11 and verse 12, that the kingdom take it by force. And so Jesus also taught us to pray that his kingdom come and that his will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Um, and 
I would say almost all of us know that this is part of the the prayer that he taught his disciples that we normally we usually call it you know, the our father our father who art in heaven amen hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done on earth in earth as it is in heaven and that's matthew chapter 6 i believe in verse 10 so uh, this is the prayer that the lord wants uh you know to be resonating in our hearts and in our mind that his kingdom will come his will be done in earth, amen, as it is in heaven. And we see that when Jesus, um, you know, walked the earth during his ministry here on the earth, that the enemy, that is Satan, trembled at Jesus's ministry. And he tried to tempt uh, him, that is tempt Jesus, to keep him from going forward, uh, trying to keep him from exposing his demonic system and from establishing God's kingdom in the earth. However, we also know uh, the end of the story, that Jesus defeated him on every turn. And, um, and the way it is connected, how we connect to this, is that we have to know that we too, have, we have been enabled by Jesus to do the same. Amen. And um, regrettably, many Christians doubt their ability to fulfill such a tall order, amen, to, def to, to enforce the defeat of the enemy. But let's remember that we are here to enforce, not to defeat the enemy, amen. Jesus has already done that for us, amen, and he's given us his authority to enforce that, uh, that defeat and for us to walk in victory. And uh, we have to bear in mind that with God, the Bible tells us all things are possible. Amen. And uh, along those lines, knowing that all things are possible to us, the Lord himself tells us that we are to occupy until he comes. Amen. He's coming. He's coming back. But in the meantime, he's given us a, a mandate, which is to occupy. And, you know, we, 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 definitely can say that we are living in a world where things are have taken such a turn uh, are so difficult that uh, we need to be about the Lord's work. Amen. And we also need to know that, as the Bible calls these days, the end times, uh, that the return of the Lord is approaching. We don't know when exactly, but we can sense the times that we are in. And therefore, uh, it is especially true that we must occupy in this time that we are living in. Uh, the Bible warns us that in the last days, fierce times will come. Amen. And Second um, Timothy chapter 3, verses 2 to 5, um, describes um, you know, the, what these fierce, fierce times are going to look like. And it tells us that people are going to be uh, lovers of themselves. They are going to be lovers of money. They will, they, they will be both proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, um, unloving, unforgiving, uh, slanderers without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrongs. You know, the, a long list of negative things we see here um, 
that people are going to be doing, um, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. And it ends up by saying that uh, the, the mark of this gen, the, 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 these times, these end times, is that people will have a form of godliness, but denying its power. Amen. And so this is uh, the way that um, the, the last days are, are really defined uh, to us. So we have a quite a clear picture of what to expect. Amen. And so we shouldn't be surprised that um, things are getting worse and worse. And we've come to a point where people are calling bad good and they are calling good uh, evil. Uh, however, we must not stop there. That's only part of the story because the Bible gives, gives us a promise. Amen. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 37, uh, the Apostle Paul says that yet in all these things, all these awful things that we just mentioned there that will be happening in, th in these days, says in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. So whether, you know, it is the, what we are seeing around us or whether the enemy comes against us personally, we have to bear in mind that he's eternally defeated. Amen. Hallelujah. That we are more than conquerors through Christ who loved us and gave his life for us. Amen. And, um, you know, it's going uh, more, being more than a conqueror means that we go into a trial and we come out of it uh, with more than what we took in. Amen. So we emerge victorious. We emerge with a spoil. And this is what God's standard is for us. And it is very, uh, if I would say, crucial for us to know, therefore, uh, how to get to that place and how to, in other words, how to enter into this life of victory and fulfillment. Um, and so to achieve this, really, um, there are things that we are going to have to put in place in our lives and to understand um, our place in God's kingdom. Amen. Um, you know, it's essential that we first embrace the kingdom of God and the principles by which it operates. And this means that certain things have to do with who we are. It is that This means our identity in Christ. And then others have to do with what we do, what we are called to do. Amen. And how proficient and successful we are in what we do will actually depend on who we are. So the focus must first be that we are going to, we need to strive to be like Christ. And this journey starts uh, by knowing what the word says about being like Christ. Amen. And following through what the word says by actually doing what the word calls us. So knowing what the word says and then being doers of the word. Hallelujah. I'm going to turn to a passage of scripture um, to see how we actually embark on that journey toward being, being more like Christ. Amen. I'm going to turn to the book of 1 John chapter 2 and verses 15 and 16. Amen. 1 John verse 2, chapter 2, sorry. 
1 John chapter 2, uh, verses 15 and 16. And it, we are told here, it says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. For if any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passes away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abides forever. Amen. Notice uh, in that passage that two different loves are mentioned. Amen. In verse 15. And it speaks of the love of the world and the love of the Father. Amen. These two loves are mutually exclusive. We can either, we can have either the love of the Father or the love of the world, but we cannot have both. Uh, they are like oil and water. They don't mix. And so all that the world offers is short-lived. It is transient. Um, what unbelievers or the people of the world are scrambling for, what they are craving for, what they are desiring and fighting for, we are told all that is passing away. Amen. And it is therefore it's not permanent. But the key for us that is born again Christian believers, amen, uh, to emerge victorious um, is what actually the second part of that of, of verse 17 tells us. And what does it tell us? It says, he who does the will of the Father abides forever. Amen. So the world is passing away, and the less therefore, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So when we align ourselves with the will of God, we are as powerful and undefeatable as the will of God itself. Amen. And that is the only key to victory and to coming out with a spoil. Amen. So we are to pursue Christ-likeness. And in doing so, what we are actually doing is advancing God's kingdom in our personal lives. And along with it, the work we are called to do, which is to proclaim God's kingdom on earth. Amen. And this work extends to, in other words, to other people. Um, these two work together and must be our priority. Amen. Um, so the ultimate statement of God's purpose in the earth at this time is found in, in the Lord's Prayer. Uh, you know, just the first two verses, and especially the second one, amen, uh, where we are told, and we read that earlier, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Amen. Hallelujah. So believing in Jesus, that is being born again, makes us sons of God. And so we are not abandoned. We are not left to ourselves. We don't have, uh, you know, we are not people who have little value or little significance. We are not second-class citizens. As born-again Christians, as the body of Christ, we are members of the greatest, the best family on earth. We are accepted by our Father in heaven. 
um, we are members of his family and we re he really loves us because it is because of his love that he came and gave his life for us in exchange for us. Hallelujah. And so we must know that. We must know that he knows our names and that he plans the best for us. This is who we are. This is to whom the person to whom we belong, God, our Father, who loves us, Jesus himself, our Lord, our Savior, our big brother who gave his life for us. Amen. And um, we have the Holy Spirit. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. His Spirit lives in us, uh, empowering us, leading us, guiding us, so that we can be prepared um, to be who he has, he has called us to be and do all that he has called us to do. Hallelujah. So we have everything going for us. So we need to understand our position in God's kingdom. Amen. And so God's first in, in instruction is for his kingdom to come to earth and for his will to be done here. Amen. And that takes precedence over you know, every other need and every other situation because we are part of that kingdom. Amen. And God wants his kingdom to come on earth. So that should be our first priority. We should be excited about it. Hallelujah. And be willing to work together with him to the advancement of this kingdom. Jesus came so he could bring God's kingdom to the earth. So we have to remember, it's not just about us. We get born again and we get all excited. And sometimes we just, we just think that this is where it stops. This is just the beginning. You know, we are here as his people and servants to assist in that process of bringing God's kingdom on the earth. And that must be the, prior, the priority of our lives. And, you know, it takes priority over every, every need, as, as I just said, and over every situation, whether it be earning money or even raising a family, um, because it is the first items on God's list. And if we want to be in harmony with God, it has to be also first on our list. Amen. So that's why we see that pursuing things is really, it's not necessary. What we need to do is to commit ourselves to the kingdom. And when we align, align with the purposes of God, then God accepts responsibility for us. Hallelujah. He gladly, you know, provides for us. He opens the doors for us. Amen. Uh, so that things can go well. So it's always much better to let God plan for us than to plan for ourselves. And um, But that should not mean that we are indifferent or prayerless. But always, um, but God's ways, we have to know that are, are higher than our ways. And so we must depend on him. Amen. Um, we must know that his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Um and the highest we can plan for ourselves is far below what he has planned for us. So we, when we humble ourselves before him, um, then he will supply all of our needs. Our focus must just be that to, to know that God wants his kingdom to come to the earth and he wants the gospel to be preached to all nations. And Really, what God is looking for is he wants a people for his kingdom. Amen. And with every person who becomes 
a born-again Christian who submits to his lordship, amen, becomes part of that kingdom. And as such, God is building his kingdom. He wants a people for his kingdom. And, um, you know, we are instructed, and I, I want us to read that passage because it really gives us an idea of what God is really looking for. Amen. Uh, when I say that God wants a people for his kingdom, let's go ahead and look in uh, the book of Titus, chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. It says, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from all iniquity and purify unto him a peculiar people, zealous of good works. Amen. Hallelujah. So we see what God is looking for. He's what he's waiting for. He's waiting for this special, his own special people. Amen. What the Bible also refers to as the manifestations, manifestation of the sons of God. Amen. God is waiting for this. Um, you know, and and he desires this more than anything else. And this, I believe, would explain the reason why he tolerates um, you know, the, the, the awful wickedness that we are um that we are seeing, you know, on the earth, um, such as, you know, the the, the suffering, the poverty, um, and all the terrible things that are going on. Uh, God could speak a word and stop it, but he is not going to stop it until he has a people for himself. Amen. He's working in his church. He's building his church. Um, he is building, he's calling people out of darkness into his marvelous light to build that kingdom. So, God, you know, Jesus wants his people to share uh, in everything that he has. He the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 6 that we are seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So he wants us to share even, you know, he, his place there. Uh, at, at the right hand of God, the, his throne, amen. Th that is a main purpose of God, uh, to have a people who have come from every nation, every tribe, and every tongue, a people who is holy, a purified people, amen, whom he himself has purified from everything that is lawless, everything that is of self-will, that is of self-ambition, uh, everything that is self-seeking and a people that has been purified and zealous for good work. This is what God is after. Amen. Hallelujah. Notice again uh, what we are told regarding this um, purification and what God is looking for. In 1 John chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 2 and 3. 1 John 3 verses 2 and 3. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, 
for we shall see him as and every man that has this hope in him purifies himself even as he is pure amen so we see here that the mark of those who are really who are looking um forward to the appearing of the lord uh that mark is that they are purifying themselves amen they are purifying themselves and how pure you know what is the the level of purity that they are seeking for well the bible says as even as he that is the lord himself is pure amen so god has only one standard of purity and that standard is jesus so we may say that we are looking forward to the lord's return but if we are not about you know our purification meaning purifying ourselves then what we are saying is really not true um you know purity is the evidence is evidence in the life of every person who honestly uh, and sincerely looks for the coming of the lord and how do we purify ourselves we are told in 1 peter uh, chapter 1 and verse 22 that it is through obeying amen obeying the truth of god's word this is how we purify ourselves let me go ahead actually and read that passage 1 peter 1 and verse 22 it says since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren amen hallelujah so notice that we are to obey the true the truth through the spirit amen the truth is speaking of god's word amen um john 17 verse 17 tells us that the truth truth is the word of god amen so what really purifies us is obeying the scripture um and also note that there is a goal to this in the that verse that i just read first peter 1 verse 22 let me read it again in sense since you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit in sincere love of the brethren so there is a goal to all that the goal is the sincere love of the brethren amen and um you know this is the first thing that we are called to do in committing ourselves to the kingdom it is really to align ourselves with the purposes of god and this prepares us and equips us to preach the gospel which the the bible calls the gospel of his kingdom amen so we are called to preach the gospel of the kingdom and it is crucial uh, that we understand that never in scripture do we see the gospel called the gospel of salvation amen um you know our personal salvation is the beginning of much more that god wants to do in and for his children uh meaning that uh we get saved we get healed we get delivered uh that we build our lives in the word uh we learn to walk in the spirit and we learn to be pleasing to god amen but this is not the end the aim of it is to also get others saved and healed and delivered amen just like us to become christ like and to walk in freedom as well that's why the gospel is called the gospel of the kingdom 
it's not called the gospel of, of our salvation or of, of our personal salvation. It's about kingdom. God is about building his kingdom. So the moment that we step foot into this kingdom, we become born again. We become ambassadors of God. We become ministers of reconciliation. We become workers together with God to build his kingdom. Amen. These are all terms taken from the Bible that define our calling and our role as Christians. As ambassadors, we find that in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 20, uh, the same chapter, 2 Corinthians 5 verse 18, tells us that we are ministers of reconciliation. 1 Corinthians 3 and verse 9 says that we are workers together with God. Hallelujah. And all of this is to build his kingdom. And we are part of that kingdom. So the gospel is the gospel of the kingdom. You know, in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus sent out uh, the 12 apostles for the first time with this instruction. He says, as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Amen. That's found in Matthew 10 and verse 7. Amen. So that is the message of the gospel which we need to preach. You know, the disciples' approach was uh, simply was that there is a kingdom. Amen. Um, And, you know, if you meet the conditions of that kingdom, you can join in. If you don't, then you're excluded. Um, Jesus says in, in, in Matthew 24, 14, he says, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world. Amen. So notice that it's not, he didn't say this gospel of, um, you know, get your sins forgiven or the gospel of you can be healed or the gospel of speaking in tongues, but he called it this gospel of the kingdom. Amen. So the message has never changed. It started that way and it will close that way. It's a message of a kingdom and a king. Amen. And um, it is not that, you know, we are not to preach healing, that we are not to speak in tongues, but the focus should be the gospel of the kingdom. Amen. Um, I'll use an illustration from the book of Acts. Um, And we are looking at the reaction of one group of people in the city of Thessalonica. Uh, And, you know, the apostle Paul went to them, to these folks, and um, regrettably, every time Paul turned up somewhere, the people were stirred up. And uh, it turns out that in Thessalonica, where he went that time, uh, a riot started. And uh, actually, you know, oftentimes it was either a riot or a revival. Unfortunately, this time a riot had started. And um, that soon after, the Apostle Paul and his um companion there, uh, Silas, arrived in Thessalonica. In, uh, we find that in the book of Acts chapter 17. And it tells us that a riot erupted and the people wanted to get hold of Paul. Obviously, obviously it was to harm him. Uh, but the, Paul's assistants, when they found that out, they were able to, you know, get hold of Paul and help him. Uh, get away from that place. Amen. But notice that in Acts 17, chapter 6, we are told that when they did not find, uh, they weren't looking for Paul, they did, when they didn't find him, um, 
and neither did they find Silas. They dragged Jason, who was one of the brethren, and then other brethren as well. Some of the brethren, they dragged them to the rulers of the city, crying out that these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. Amen. So these men who have turned the world upside down, they have come here also. So that was the cry of the people there. So notice that this is what they were complaining about, that these men have come and something happened as a result of their coming. They went other places, they turned the place upside down, and now their presence has turned our world upside down also. And what I, I, uh, I mean, the question that I have here and something that we have to wonder about is, if this is what these men were preaching, and this was the impact that they have, can that be said also about um, that we have turned the world upside down with the message that we have received? Amen. Have we stood and preached that message in order to have to upset things in our world? Are we bold enough? Have we stood um, bold enough to turn things the other way around? And by the way, these people said that the apostles had turned the world upside down. But actually what they had done is that they had turned the world right side up. Whenever the gospel comes, the word of God is light, brings light in the darkness. And so in the chaos of this world, things are down already and they, be, they need to be turned back up. Amen. And this is what we need to bring to the world. We need to bring the light of the gospel. Amen. And regrettably, um, you know, too often, the church has been very polite and very careful not to upset people. And we strive to be politically correct. We strive to maintain the status quo, regardless of the fact that that very status quo actually is not God's, it is the devil's. Um, I would like to go ahead and read from the Amplified Version, another verse, which is actually the next verse uh, from Acts chapter 17. We had read verse 6. I'm going to read verse 7 of Acts 17 from the Amplified. So remember that in verse 6, the, the, these people were crying out that these people have come, that is Paul and Silas, and have turned the world upside down, and they have come here too. Now, it goes on to say, And Jason has welcomed them into his house and protected them. And they are all saying things contrary to the decrees of Caesar, actually claiming that there is another king, Jesus. Amen. So this is what these uh, rebellious people in Thessalonica were complaining about, that these disciples of Jesus have come. They are saying things that are contrary to the decrees of Caesar and that they are claiming that there is another king and that king is Jesus. So we learn a lot from the opposition. We see that they thought about the message of Paul and Silas. Um, and notice that they did, th this mob didn't say anything about the forgiveness of sin. They didn't mention anything about healing. What they said was that these people are representing another king. Why? It's because the disciples, Paul and Silas, were proclaiming the kingdom. And that upset the local authority because that was contrary to the rule of Caesar. And, you know, most of us, 
now, you know, the question is, are we declaring that same message, the essence of the true message that there is another king? And the disciples were very bold in declaring that gospel, the gospel of the kingdom, amen, that there is a kingdom that is coming and that you can, you know, anybody can get into it if they want to, or they can be left out if they so choose, amen. However, this kingdom is coming and no one can stop it from coming. And that in itself is a powerful message. But, you know, what we have to be aware of is that uh, we need boldness to do that because such a message oftentimes does not make the carrier of that message popular. Amen. However, this is what we are called to do, to go and share the message of, you know, the gospel of the kingdom. And when the, the apostle proclaimed that message, we see that all sorts of things happen. Uh, good things. It's true, it's true that they had their share of trouble, but we saw that God was there confirming his word with signs and wonders following the preaching of his word. We saw that the sick got healed, that demons were driven out. Amen. Um, but what we also need to notice is that the, the whatever meetings that the apostles were holding, it wasn't specifically to, for example, uh, a meeting set up to heal the sick. Um, so in other words, it wasn't a healing service, or they were not just holding deliverance sessions, or uh, they were not holding services to minister the baptism of the Holy Spirit. They only had one message. They were preaching the good news of the kingdom. Amen. Hallelujah. Therefore, the gospel. And again, like I said earlier, it's not that we should not pray for people and minister to them, but the, our focus must be the gospel of the kingdom. And as we concentrate on that message, then the power of God is generated, amen, so that those things that are part of the kingdom will manifest, amen. And therefore, we are here to become part of the workforce that will bring this the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Amen. And we know that the Lord has made faith available for us so that we can take our place in his kingdom and to fulfill this mandate, amen, to which he has called us. So, you know, the message of the gospel is not, as I said, always going to make us popular. And I guess we all know that. And that's probably why most of us are shy in, in, in proclaiming it, in, in being bold. Uh, we know that it's not going to make us popular and that it may even bring challenges our way. But you see, our Christianity is based on our faith in Jesus Christ. And the Bible tells us that faith is the substance of things hoped for. Amen. So if we lose this, the hope, amen, the things that we hope for, we lose that then our faith has become useless. It has become, it has lost its objective. And so uh, we don't want to be part of empty religion. Amen. Um, the pressures and the challenges the enemy brings is actually part of his attempt to make us think that, you know, we don't really have a future, uh, not what the Bible has promised. And that, um, you know, we can 
we, we should rather see ourselves as vic- victims rather than victors and that we must concentrate on ourselves rather than focus on this mission to which we are called. Um, and this is truly the agenda behind all the pressures and the storms that the enemy brings against us. But what we have to understand is that the, 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 the disciples that have gone ahead before us, that they have by their lives shown us they were an example that the kingdom can and will be preached, amen, and that this kingdom is coming. Whether we want to participate or not, God will find a way to bring it to pass. Hallelujah. So our confession should be that yet in all these things, like as we said earlier, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Amen. And go forth and do what we've been called to do. Remember, um, back in the Old Testament, it's not now that those who have received, uh, believed, and um responded to God's calling, have been challenged. We see it all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. There is the story of um, Esther, amen. And there is this man who was Esther's, uh, you know, family member, the man who had uh, actually raised her, Mordecai. And um, when Esther became queen and Mordecai found out that there was a plan that uh, uh, an evil man, amen, had plotted in order to kill the Jews and trick the king actually in um, giving an edict so that the Jews would be killed. So Mordecai, he sent a message to Esther and um, Esther received that message and thought that it was impossible to help because she couldn't go before the king to plead the case of the Jews so they would not be killed. So that's what she thought. And Actually, because of the customs of that time, um, she needed to be invited to the king, by, I'm sorry, by the king to, to go into, in his presence. And so since she had not in, been invited, she thought that you know, it would be impossible to do anything. So Mordecai sent to Esther a message when he realized that uh, Esther was doubting or actually thought that she couldn't be, she wouldn't be able to help. And he told her this, and we find that in um, Esther chapter four and verse 14, he says, who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this. So God had a purpose for putting you in this position. You may not have known it, but now the time has come and your eyes better be open that you're here for God's purpose. You are God's person for this hour. Amen. So Esther then understood and rose up to the challenge and sent this answer back to Mordecai. And she said to him, she says, I will go unto the king, which is not according to the way we do things by the law. And if I perish, I perish. Amen. Hallelujah. Look at the boldness that came over her, that she was willing to lay her life as sacrifice if necessary in order to do God's will, in order to save God's people. And we know the end of the story. God had already gone ahead of her to give the victory. Amen. And he showed up mightily and not only saved the people, but the man who had plotted all of that ended up dying himself. Amen. On the gallows that he had set up to have Mordecai killed. So the people, the, the, the Mordecai was saved. The Queen Esther was received and found favor 
and most importantly, God's people were saved. And um, likewise, uh, you know, we must not allow the pressures and the storms uh, that seem to invade our lives to change the way we think, um, to change our direction, uh, to obscure our vision and, um, you know, knock knock us out, remove the wind and the fight in us and reduce us to hopeless individuals. Um, unfortunately, many Christians have lost hope. Uh, they are praying, you know, for the Lord to return quickly. And yes, we want the Lord to return. Hallelujah. I want the Lord to return quickly. Um, but you see, the focus should not be on self. And um, because when we do that, what happens is whether we realize it or not, we have our back to the need of others. Uh, but we, but you know, it's interesting to know that when we allow ourselves to identify with others, with their suffering, with their needs, then there is a peace and a joy and a sense of fulfillment that fills our life. Amen. And we. Though we may see the suffering, but we don't feel desperate. We don't feel hopeless. Amen. We know that there is a gospel that must be and will be proclaimed to all nations for a witness. And God is in the midst of our working together with him. And he encourages us and, you know, help us to move forward with him in reaching that goal. Amen. Uh, Isaiah chapter 60. I'm going to read verses one through four. I think this is a very good passage for what we are discussing today. Isaiah 60 verses one through four. It reads, Arise, shine, for that light is come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon thee. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and gross darkness the people. But the Lord shall arise upon thee, and his glory shall be seen upon thee. And the Gentiles shall come to thy light, and kings to the brightness of thy rising. Lift up thine eyes round about, and see. All they gather themselves together. They come to thee. Thy sons shall come from far, and thy daughters shall be nursed thy side. Amen. This is, in essence, telling us that there is gross darkness will come upon the face of the earth. However, God's power is greater. His light will shine brighter. Amen. There is, there is a storm on the horizon. However, the most important storm, if we can call it as such, will not be one from the enemy, but it will be a, a form of evangelistic storm. Amen. You see, when we have a vision from God about this evangelistic storm, um, what happens is that he's, we see his promise to bring, that he's bringing uh, this change for the better into our land. Amen. This transcends us with might in our spirit, and we have energy, and we are motivated to fight and not be afraid. Amen. See, as the darkness is rising, the Bible says gross darkness, but the Bible says that the glory of the Lord shall be seen upon us, upon God's people. And Gentiles will come to this light and kings to the brightness, the rising of. So while the darkness is rising, we must always remember that God's glory is greater. Amen. And 
Therefore, we must resist the temptation to, you know, to be part of those who focus on how bad things are and those who have no hope. Rather, we must be the people who know the word of God, who know the heart of God. Amen. We must be people who who stand in intercession and speak the word and do the word until he fulfills his promise that he has given in his word. He's given us that word. Amen. So we must take it, receive it, and run with it. You know, it's easy to give up and do nothing or to become angry and frustrated and, um, you know, because of all the struggles and the issues that we have to deal with, you know, whether it be, you know, uh, from uh, in our family or regarding health issues or financial or issues with relationships, um, you know, I mean, which one has not experienced problems along, you know, any one of these or sometimes maybe some or even all of these areas, you know, plus, and then, you know, we're looking at, again, the all the sin that we see around us, all the, the evil, the negativity. But you see, if these things become our focus, then they will stop us from becoming Christ-like. And let's not forget that our primary goal is to become like Jesus. Amen. To be Jesus in the earth to others. Amen. So we must not lose hope in what God can do. And in light of the times that we are living in, we read Isaiah from Isaiah 60. Amen. But, you know, the passage that we just read there, um, we see that things are getting just dark enough and oppressive enough for this scripture to be fulfilled, for God's glory to rise. Amen. As we decide to arise as well. Amen. And see how, you know, the nature of God of Jesus can shine brightly through his people as we decide to cooperate. Amen. So, you know, in the midst of chaos, we have to remember that this is the time that God wants us really to side with him, partner with him, and remember that he said that we are to ask of him. Amen. So when we ask of him by his spirit uh, directing us and operating us, God, you know, he will show us the place that we are to take, and he will demonstrate the reality of his word through our intercession, through our sharing of his word, and through whatever actions that he leads us to do. Amen. And so remember, for example, that if we are going to be Christ-like, let's see what Christ has done and is doing. Uh, We know that Jesus, even right now, he is our high priest. He's our intercessor. He's our mediator, our advocate, the one who intercedes for us continually. The Bible tells us to, that it is to save us to the utmost when we come to God through him. And that's stated in Hebrews chapter 7 and verse 20. Well, praise God. We are called to bear that image, his image. Amen. And this is our calling and destiny. This is not something that we can get away from. Amen. So. Until we see God's promise come true, what we must do is take our place and be like him. Press forward to see his hand of salvation, to see his hand of healing and deliverance and wholeness manifest in our families, in our communities, in this world. Amen. As we take our place also like him as intercessors. Amen. As we do 
everything that we know that Jesus has done and is doing. You know, that, if I can call it a movement that, you know, we kind of, the Christian church went through for a while there, you know, um, after they read this book about, you know, what would Jesus do? So the bracelets came out, T-shirts, people were wearing, you know, and the word was, what would Jesus do? Well, the thing is that it's wonderful to have a bracelet or a T-shirt or even be saying this. The question is, what truly are we doing what Jesus would do? Amen. Hallelujah. So, you know, he has put us here for a purpose. And, um, you know, we ought to be uh, in this world as he is. We are told that in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 17, uh, as he is, so are we in this world. So the word, um, you know, calls us to be bold, to have confidence. Let me, actually, let's go ahead and read that passage because it does speak about boldness. Um, 1 John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so on are we in this world. Amen. Hallelujah. So the word boldness here, confidence, it means free speech or free confidence in the day of judgment. And you know, the only people who will have confidence and free speech in that day or call it that season of judgment or those who are like he is that is people who have moved by love uh, and by mercy by the mercy of god people who you know in whom love has been perfected uh we are told in the word of god that love believes all things that love hopes all things that it endures all things and that god love does not fail amen hallelujah and so if we don't take our place in God's kingdom by loving like he does, in other words, you know, doing the work, do the work that he's called us to, um, sharing the gospel, preaching the word, prayer, amen. Um, if we don't do that, by default, we allow the fear of the world to control us, to control our destiny. Then what would happen is that there would be chaos everywhere and but the lord doesn't want this to happen amen so he tells us to speak his word to do his word to pray for peace and pray for the welfare of our city and wherever we are because we are to be a, a, a conquering force amen that he has put there to establish his kingdom to bring his light in the midst of the darkness. Amen. And and just think of it, how many of us want um, more problems or more chaos to come into our life? None of us, I'm sure. And But that is exactly what will happen if we are not about God's work, um, if we are not ministering to those in need, if we are not believing uh, for, let's say, um, prosperity, um, you know, coming against the spirit of poverty, and believing for 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 a, a better outcome in people's lives, uh, praying for the blessing of the Lord, Amen. Um, and I'm not talking just about you know praying for money and you know just you know drink and be merry, but we are praying for spiritual prosperity, and we are called to cry out to God for uh, our family, our community, 
uh, our cities, amen, our nation and the nations of this world. Um, if we are not doing that, nobody's going to take our place in this world that we are living in. We are he- left here as the light of the world. We are left here as the salt of the earth. Amen. And uh, the things that go wrong uh, in the world, we won't have anybody taking our place to fix them, to bring in the presence of God. Amen. So let's understand that each of us is here to bring God's presence in whatever place that we find ourselves. Uh, We alone, man alone, does not have it in himself to solve his problems. Uh, The problems of war, of sickness, of poverty uh, will not be solved by, by human plan. So we should not give up or be discouraged or be complacent because we have to bear in mind that there is another kingdom that is coming and we are living in these last days. Amen. And that kingdom is not far away. And our Lord, who is coming, will reign in in righteousness in, in this kingdom. Amen. And our highest calling is to align ourselves with his purpose to proclaim and help bring in his kingdom. Amen. We are being trained right now. Amen. To work together with him. Realize that as we ourselves are being built up, we are to let that light shine and be used by him as his instruments of war, as vessels of righteousness to usher in this wonderful kingdom of God in the earth. This is our calling. And are we going to accept it and yield to it and give it all that we have? Because he's the one who is enabling us. His grace in us is doing the work. And all we have to say is, yes, Lord, you have called us. We will answer to your glory and for our rejoice. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for your word to us today and for this fresh anointing of your spirit release to stir us, O oh Lord, to arise in faith, arise in hope and love, and take our place in your kingdom to do whatever you divinely designed us to do. Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And as we yield ourselves to your Lordship, Lord, we pray that your divine image will develop inside of us and we will arise to proclaim the gospel of the kingdom, O God. We pray that our ministry will be in the power of the Holy Spirit, that we will work in faith, we will work in love and do the very works of Jesus, the works that he said that we were destined to do. Father, we thank you for confirming your word with signs and wonders and for enabling us to fulfill our destiny for the greatest purpose of letting the world see Jesus to us. We thank you, Lord. We praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Now unto him that is able to keep us from falling and to present us faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God, be our Savior, be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and ever amen and amen hallelujah praise the lord i pray that this study has been a blessing to you invite you to join us next week at the same time
God bless you and have a good night.